Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Right, that's it. I am just going to say it. I flipping love professional wrestling. That's because WWE just put on their Extreme Rules pay-per-view premium life event and it had a finish they had me doing this. That's right. I did some kind of 1970s dance, but I was having a good old time. I also feel like we kind of need to pay homage to what did go down. So, I don't know. doesn't really work, but it's the only mask I had. Maybe if we do this. Hang on. Give me a second. Maybe if I, like, look through the mouthpiece and I can't talk properly, <laughs> be a bit crazy. Let's just up those doubts. The very first thing we did learn at Extreme Rules is that Michael Cole and Corey Graves are now going to be our exclusive premium live event commentary team. And I actually think that's a good idea. Because sometimes in the past we jumped from this guy to that guy and then your nan walked in and it doesn't make any sense before it was time for a good old-fashioned Donnybrook. Now, your homework today is to walk up to someone that doesn't watch wrestling and say, do you know what a good old-fashioned Donnybrook is? This did mean it was Imperium versus the Brawling Brutes as they were making their entrances. That's right, we had the final White Rabbit video. I mean, this just interrupted so bad, I went, oh, oh, what the hell is going on? But yeah, it was a wink-wink nudge-nudge to what was going to go down at the end of the damn thing. And I tell you, you've got to go and see it. Otherwise, just... Acting like a horse all the time, because ever since Gunther and Sheamus had that match at Clash of the Castle, they have taken the rest of their Imperium boys, and they have taken the rest of the Brawling Brute boys, and they have turned this into one of the best feuds that WWE has had in 2022. I mean, they just get in the squared circle, and they all start punching each other in the face. Which is definitely just Pete Dunne now. You know, eventually WWE is just going to casually go, oh, it's Pete Dunne, and hope that nobody notices. And here's a weird thing to say, but it is true. I looked at Imperium when they were all stood there in their red pants, and I thought, man, they look good in those red pants. It's true. They all did kind of focus on Seamus here, who did get thrown into Simba the Steel Steps and Barry Barricade. And as there was like this makeshift wooden bar thingamajig, they just dropped his face onto that too. And it looked like it sacked. Rich Holland then got hit with the Imperium bomb, so he was out of there. And this is when Gunther, Vinci, and Ludwig basically got together and all were like, ha 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 ha, we're now gonna beat up Butch. And they did do it for a little while. But then on the outside, Seamus must have gone, um, um, 
and had a phoenix down because he was just back on his feet. He rang in there and he started kicking ass. The crowd went nuts for that because the Irishman has become a mega baby face and he took out Ludwig Kaiser and he took out Gianni Vinci because of course then he was able to stare down Gunther again <laughs> and you know the deal. It was just big men slapping man meat and I know they said it all the time but give me the big men, give me the man meat and give me that slapping. There was then a top near fall after Seamus did hit the bro kick but Vinci broke it up with a spring board and I thought that was totally unnecessary but I loved it. This is kind of when the tag klaxon ha went off but basically the tag klaxon ha went off in the first one second because this was just six people going bonkers. Seamus didn't care because he busted out the Irish curse backbreaker and he locked on the cloverleaf again and then we had one of those great WW moments where they all looked at each other and went nose to nose and then decided, oh yeah, we meant to be fighting, so they went back to the fight. Butch was then doing moonsault off barrels when Gunther got the shillelagh and he smacked Seamus for another good near fall. And then Butch and Holland returned and they started breaking some fingers, which basically allowed Seamus to start to shine. Because Imperium just got twonked with that thing over and over again, Gunther got thrown through at the announce table, which is when Seamus went broke and he hit the bro kick and he got the one, two, three. The brawling brutes had done it. The power plant had won it. So even though he didn't win the Intercontinental Championship on SmackDown, they are still standing tall. And in many ways, this feud may continue and it's been going on for 72 years, but do I care? Absolutely not. Just keep hooking it to my veins. Give it up. We then just had the oddest conversation backstage with The Miz, because somebody said to him, hey Miz, why are you at Extreme Rules? And he said, well, it's my birthday party tomorrow and I want to talk to Triple H about it. And I was like, what are you, 11? The point is, he does have a big shindig going down tomorrow and he wants to make sure that Dexter Loomis isn't going to be there. Which begs the question, if Triple H could do something about this, why hasn't he done something about it already? Eventually, The Miz noticed the Philadelphia Flyers mascot, who I believe was called Gritty. And of course, he freaked out and ran away because he thought this was Dexter Loomis. Don't worry, there's more of this later. Which brought us to the only proper Extreme Rules match of the evening as Liv Morgan was taking on Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And here is what I have deduced from their feud. WWE doesn't really know what to do with both of them when they are in the ring, so they kind of do absolutely nothing. Because obviously the bat, the baseball bat, did feature a lot of this. Liv Morgan had it and was all like, ha ha, I'm going to break your face. Where Ronda just went, nope, pushed it to one side and proceeded to absolutely whip Liv Morgan's ass. I mean, it really was like a mum getting mad at their kid for having a bunch of food on their face, just like cleaned it like, oh, how am I supposed to put up with you? And honestly, all the time after that, Rhonda must have thought she was in a good old-fashioned Dunning Brook. Because <laughs> she was just, I tell you, it was like a murder. But at one point, Liv went for a dive and Rousey just stopped her, tied her up in the ring skirting, and again just started to boot her. And even when Morgan sprayed a fire extinguisher in her direction, Rhonda just went, <laughs> Just smoke. What do you think you're going to do with that? Punch her in the face. She then got the baseball bat herself and started to do damage. And while Liv got insecure at one point, she may as well have gone the amount of damage it did because Rhonda got her belt. Just started whipping her with it. I was like, can we stop this already? It's not fair on the champion. The champion! We were then back to the baseball bat. And do you remember that kid in The Simpsons that's all like, stop, stop, he's already dead? That is a metaphor for what happened in this match. And I don't understand it at all. It just kept happening because Liv set up a table and she was thrown through that. Then she went to get a chair, but the chair bounced out the ring. And it was as if beforehand, Ronda Rousey had gone to all the furniture and said, look, 
if you continue to screw her over, I promise I'll do you a really good deal. So she must have promised them all a trip to Disneyland or something. And yes, I know, eventually Liv Morgan was able to use the chair. She put Ronda Rousey on a table and she hit a senton through it. But even then I was like, well, there's no way she's going to win after that because she's done nothing else. I was totally right because when she went to follow up, Ronda Rousey just locked on the triangle or the armbar or some kind of submission. I can't remember it was now. And Morgan tried to power out of it, but it was too much. She passed out. She was done and she lost. So Ronda clearly doesn't listen to Frozen because she would not let it go. This was just murder. I just can't stop laughing about it. It was like some poor lamb and then some farmer with a massive machete. Now I am going to give it an up because they really did kill each other here. Like some of the blows were pretty damn harsh. But I'm also going to give it a down because I don't think this championship reign has done anything for Liv Morgan. And hopefully what we can do now is remove her from Ronda Rousey and start to rehab her. Because she is very good, but she should be like, you know, the fighting plucky baby face moment she's not. And look, I've got no problem with Ronda being the champion. In fact, I think you should now push her to the moon because she is really good. This program just hasn't worked very well. Which brought us on to the strap match, Karrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre. And I tell you, given that the first time Karrion Cross was introduced to the main roster, he came out wearing a gimp mask and lost a lot. There was a lot riding here because I felt like he needed a dominant performance. I will say he mostly got it. I mean, he was mucking around with the strap to begin with, and he was, like, tossing it to Scarlett, which really pissed off Drew McIntyre. But as it turned out, this was a massive ruse, because before the bell had even rung, these two started beating each other up, and they fought off into the crowd. We were also using Rita the Ring Post and Barry Barricade, who was having a terrible evening, before they got back to the ringside area, and Drew McIntyre slammed Cross into the ring apron. And I asked the wrestling elders and they told me, yes, that's the hardest part of the ring. This then led to the strap being applied properly, which sounds terrible out of context, as we found out that this match was going to be brought to you by distraction. Because Scarlett was on the outside and she had clearly leveled up her MP because she was just casting this over and over again to the point Drew McIntyre got pissed off and he got thrown back into Rita. The ring post. This opened the door for Karrion to kind of work over Drew's arm because as ever, if you do lose a limb, you're probably not going to win a wrestling match. And at one point, he was even hurled into Alan the announce table again. And I was like, man, all my friends here are taking an absolute beating and I don't think that's in their contract. Now, you really do have to understand, this beating that Karrion Cross did on Drew McIntyre went for a long ass time. To the point I was like, Drew, he'll start fighting back soon. And he didn't. I'm like, don't worry, that's got a warrior. He'll, he'll throw something at some point. But he just kept getting beaten up. And it was so bad, I presumed that Drew McIntyre was going to have to win. And eventually he did fight back. And he went for the Futures on DDT. But he was so wounded, he wasn't able to do it. When he just hit the Future Shock DDT. Now that sounds a little bit anticlimactic, but that's basically what happened. Ultimately, it led Drew getting ready for the Claymore. When Scarlett was just like, nah. I ain't putting up with this. And she got in the ring and she had flipping pepper stray and she just went shh. You know, I said pepper stray. What the hell is pepper stray? Pepper spray. Now, look, I get that the fireball didn't work a few weeks ago, but coming up with pepper spray as your backup, that is like Lex Luthor getting a kryptonite spear, throwing it at Superman, and it doesn't work. So his next plan is maybe I'll just try a big old hug. It ain't gonna work. McIntyre did sell this so well, though. I mean, it was like his eyes are about to fall out of his face. When Carrion hit the cross hammer and he just beat him. And it took me a few seconds to catch up 
because I was like, man, the cross hammer. Every single one of this guy's moves name is a pun. This was genuinely okay though. Like it wasn't as nuts as I thought it was gonna get. And it kind of does feel like we've just planted the seeds for something else. Whatever that something else is going to be, I do not know, but it can have it up. More importantly than all of this though, the reason to watch it is to notice what happens with Karrion Cross's hair. Now I get it, I can't comment on anybody else's locks. But I tell you, it was a roller coaster. This was then in the back again looking for Triple H, but he's clearly terrible at this because he'd been trying for about an hour. When the mascot turned up again, and of course we were meant to think, is Dexter's Loomis in there? Dun dun dun! And we're gonna find out later. Kinda. Because before that, we had to have a ladder match. Now, is this stipulation overdone in wrestling? Yes. Did I think this was a good one? Also, yes. It was also Bianca Belair versus Bailey for the Raw Women's Championship. And I tell you what I liked in this instance. The very first thing both women did was go and try and get a ladder. Because sometimes you have a ladder match and people lock up. I'm like, what are you doing? Damage control weren't at ringside either and make sure you store away that for later. And when they were basically at an impasse, Bianca got the ladder. She chucked it at Bailey before she did a springboard moonsault onto the thing. As ever, I was like, man, wrestlers are crazy. Bailey wasn't going to lose that war, so then she did this sunset flip thing into it too, before she got another ladder and she started to set up a ladder bridge. Now, I've been watching wrestling for a long ass time, and I will tell you this, no good has ever come from setting up a ladder bridge. She was also using Barry Barricade, so once again, I was like, can somebody please go and help Barry, because he is not having the night that he intended. <laughs> yeah, Bailey just did this running elbow drop through it. I did this for about an hour. Like, I know we've seen more spectacular stuff, but when you do something so simple, it just looked like it really hurt. But then got back in the ring and started attacking each other when Bianca hit this big old knee and scored with the KOD. Or as my phone auto-corrected, kid. That's right. So it said, Bianca Belair hits the kid. <laughs> that means something else entirely. Given that she had just hit her finishing move though, she was like, well, I'm going to start climbing the ladder. And then anybody could work this out. I mean, Stevie Wonder could see it coming. Out came Io Sky and Dakota Kai, damn it. They pushed the ladder down so Belair was not able to get to the top. But honestly, I tell you, everybody always must go, right, I understand that's just happened to Bianca Belair, but how do we then get her back on top again? <laughs> because the women's champion put Sky and Kai on her shoulders and gave them a double KOD. That was damn impressive. Well, once again, as my phone said, the double kid i got to fix my phone. It completely depleted her HP though, so Bailey was able to get back in there and hit her with the rose plant. And then she decided, <laughs> I know what I'll do. I'll trap Bianca under the ladder. And then she's totally boned. And clearly Bailey has never watched a ladder match before. Because as she started to climb, what did Bianca do? She used all her strength and she pressed the thing. Bailey went falling down to the it took both out, so Balance had returned to the force, so once again they did start trying to climb, but Bailey grabbed Bianca's hair and pulled it down. So then Belair was like, alright, well you've just introduced it, so now I'm gonna use it as a weapon. And she whipped the shit out of her. That also allowed her to hit a KOD onto the ladder, and I was like, oh my god, I'm never gonna get over that. She got to the top, she was able to reclaim her championship. And she won. That kind of surprised me a little bit because surely the feud is over now, but who the hell knows? I mean, they're definitely going to do something at War Games when Survivor Series rolls through. But look, once again, they put a lot of effort in. I thought this was a lot of fun. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, 
you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. And then Judgment Day underlined the fact that they have come of age and they're one of the best damn hill groups in WWE. Excellent. For it was Finn Balor versus Edge, and I just want to say two things. One, I was excited about this straight away because I wanted to see Finn Balor versus Edge for ages. And also, two, I got my prediction right. I understand that makes me a massive geek and a massive nerd. I don't have a lot. Look at me, I'm bald. Let me have this. Also, secret entrance number three. Finn Balor now comes out wearing this mask that looks like he's in a brand new Hellraiser movie. While it is very strange, I also think it's really, really cool. Now, I do admit this is quite long and it probably could have been cut down by five minutes or so. But they did use the time really well here because it built and it built and it built. And the last ten minutes or so... Well, it was actual shenanigans. I mean, WWE just hit their over-the-top button, which is fine as long as you do it sparingly. And in the early going, Balor was like, ha-ha, I'm going to work over Edge's leg. And he locked on the figure four and actually got the referee to ask the rated R superstar, do you quit? Imagine Edge had gone, yeah, you know what I do? Sort of been the worst match ever. It soon got nutty because Edge drove Balor through Barry Barricade. And I was on the phone to HR saying, what is going on? And as they kind of brawled around the place, Edge found a hockey stick and started to choke Finn Balor. And I was like, well, that is murder. Clearly, he didn't want to do the jail time because he let him go. And then, given there was concrete around the place, Finn threw Edge into some of it. And then Edge threw Finn into some of it. I was just laughing. I was like, you can do whatever you want in wrestling. And these two crazy tamales went, oh, my gosh, I found a really hard brick surface. Let's use it. This seemed to have wounded Edge's inside, so Finn started using the chair. But Edge did not give a flub because he refused to quit. And the whole time he kept saying, screw you, Finn, screw you. Which he shouldn't have done because Bow was like, all right, well, I'll just beat you up twice as mad. It ended with him going for a cross face. But what he was not ready for was Edge putting his foot on his ass and just pushing him face first into a chair. And I was like, oh, nuts. He's going to be busted. As soon as Edge followed this up with a leg lock too, of course, out came Damien Priest and Dominic Mysterio. And they just started causing all kinds of distractions. 
but Edge was having none of this. So he pushed them to the outside. He saw that Balor was on the apron and he speared Finn through the ropes into the rest of Judgment Day. I was like, fair play, Edge, that rocked. What he must have totally forgotten about, though, is that there's an extra member to the group. And this is when Rhea Ripley teleported in. She grabbed Edge's arm. She handcuffed him to the ropes. They were definitely going to finish him off when Rey Mysterio came out to an absolute massive reaction. But he is terrible at saving the day because he barely did anything before Dominic, his son, started to beat up his daddy. And I was like, Dom, you have definitely forgotten he who bore you. Now, it was kind of obvious what was going to happen, but there's nothing wrong with doing the obvious because nine times out of ten, that's what makes sense. So this is when Beth Phoenix ran in from the crowd and she just started going absolutely potty, including staring off with Rhea Ripley before she beat her up. I mean, she hit her with a spear and then she got the key and she freed Edge, which left Edge and Dominic Mysterio in the ring. And fair play to Dommy Boy. Straight away, he was like, I was just kidding with you, uncle. Let's have a little old shake of the hands. And Edge was like, all right. And he booted him in the testicles, which means if you were hoping to ever see Rey Mysterio Jr. Jr., you ain't getting it. This is when Finn realized, oh my gosh, I meant to be in this match. So he came back with the sling blade. But then Edge hit him with one spear, two spear, three spear, four spear, five spear, six spear, seven spear. I mean, he just kept hitting him. And it looked like the thing was done when the Judgment Day returned. Because the idea was that Balor was ready to give up when all of a sudden Rhea had some brass nuts. She punched Beth Phoenix right in the face and knocked her out. And then she got a couple of chairs and she was going to give her the concerto. So, of course, Judgment Day then grabbed Edge and was basically like, listen, Adam, you absolute piece of goobs. Unless you quit, we're going to murder your wife. So what are you going to do? And Edge was like, all right, good point. I quit. I mean, there was more dramatization to this. I'm just giving you the facts. Because I am a terrible person too, I did silently go, well, I hope Rhea Ripley still does hit that concerto because she's meant to be an evil human. And then she did it. I was like, man, that was good. So yeah, this was an absolute pile of madness, but the ending and the story was just oh so damn good. I mean, everybody can understand this. Uh, he had a family and he did what he had to do. And now, of course, we can do the Mick tag, which we've been teasing for ages. So once again, it gets a round of applause. I am definitely giving it up. And then The Miz beat up the mascot. I mean, talk about a 180. Of course, the trick was that Dexter actually wasn't in this costume. This is when he appeared behind The Miz. Then he choked him out before stroking his hair. And the best part of this is that he helped the mascot up. (laughs) Walked over to The Miz and gave him a shot of his own. Now, I still don't know where this is headed because all Loomis seems to do is choke The Miz out and then walk off into the distance. But was this a fun little skit that kind of held Extreme Rules together? I think so. This, of course, meant our main event was the fight bit between Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle with Daniel Cormier as a special guest referee. And this worked straight away because it's just different. Like, it's just a steel cage, but there's a platform in the air and the ring doesn't have any ropes. So this is as close to MMA within wrestling that you're going to get. And I certainly would take more of this. We also really sold the fact that Riddle has experience within this thing. Straight away, he was just bouncing off the cage like he's Mario when he's crawling through Bowser's castle. I mean, he hit this crazy kind of insecurity thing before he started punching Seth right in the face. This is when Daniel Cormier kind of grabbed Riddle and threw him off. Now, I do get this to a certain point because Riddle was so crazy, he'd have hit DC as well. I was like, wait a minute, this is meant to be the fight pit. Let them fight in a pit. Naturally, that gave Rollins enough time to recover, so he went berserk. But once again, Daniel was like, look, 
everybody just calm down. So I suppose the rules of the fight pit are make sure you do have a fight, but then back it off a little bit. Seth then set Matthew into the cage and Daniel Cormier did start his count because in a fight pit, you can only lose by being knocked out or by submission. But once again, this thing was never going to end that way. And instead, we started to get into escalation because we really started to focus on the fact that we're going to whack each other in the head as hard as we can and then throw the other person into the steel. It made me feel a little bit wibbly wobbly because it was so violent. A surprise RKO also sent everybody loopy, especially when Rollins came back with a curb stomp. But given that none of this was working, he then came up with an idea, and I tell you, my friends, it was insane. Because he did some maths and realized, well, wait a minute, if I do a normal stomp, that hurts like times 10. But maybe if I do a stomp from higher up, that will hurt times 20. So he did it. And I've already told you about that platform that was around the top. So these two crazy people climbed up there and they started to fight. And for some reason, I started to get vertigo like I was really worried. When they were up there too, Rollins powerbombed Riddle into the side of the cage and gave him a pedigree. So I was like, my word. And do you know what Matthew retaliated with? The RKO. So you've got to go and see this because I promise you I'm not doing it justice. Cormier then refused to do the count because, of course, these two guys were on the platform. Like, look, you've got to be in the ring. But this is when Seth Rollins just fell off. And even that was terrifying, but not as much as when Riddle went, oh, look, I'm on the platform and he's not. Why don't I hit the floating bro or the broton or whatever it's called? And he did it. And not only did it look like he crushed Seth, but Riddle landed right on his coccyx. Wrestlers are nuts. He followed this up with a triangle and Rollins was so scared that he was going to lose. He started throwing Riddle around. But it was too much and he had no place to go. So he tapped out and Daniel Cormier was like, Oh, you did it, Riddle. I really thought this was good. I mean, I did think that DC was going to do a little bit more. And some of his interactions were bizarre. But I'm a big fan of the man. So it certainly added to it. And look, finally, Riddle got his win over Rollins in a match that is now his signature. And you can bring back maybe once or twice a year. I am definitely giving it up. And then, my friends... Extreme rules went nuclear. Because for starters, Triple H did that favorite old trick of his when the copyright logo came up in the corner, which usually signals the end of the show, which no doubt left loads of people in the internet wrestling community shouting, oh, there's no Bray Wyatt, I hate everything. And I was like, would you calm your horses? It got even better because Michael Cole then started to go, wait, are we still on the air? Corey, why are we still on the air? So it felt like they were confused too when the lights went out. And this was just power fire 9,000. Every single person in this arena knew what was going to happen and they were ready for it and they just brought the noise. I was going crazy too, especially when over the loudspeakers somebody started to sing, he's got the whole world in his hands. And I actually got goosebumps. I was like, this is why wrestling is great and this is why wrestling doesn't make any sense. Why am I getting chills from somebody singing the whole wide world in his hands? The visual was also tremendous because everybody turned their phone lights on. You know, we used to do that and now we're doing it again when the camera started to focus on some individuals. Because we saw Huskus the pig boy, then the buzzard, then Rambling Rabbit, then Abby the witch. Then there was a burned feed mask on the announce table. Then we saw the fiend properly. And these weren't the toys. They were real life versions. They were actually kind of spooky wooky. If you're good at counting too, you will know that makes five. And if you've been following Bray Wyatt on Twitter, for ages now, he's been talking about the Wyatt Six. So if you take five and you add Bray Wyatt, what does that make? You've got it. 
So guess who was about to come out? Before I know, we got this creepy video where it was like the Firefly Funhouse if we'd run out of production budget and a serial killer had run around. And once again, it was quite terrifying. When we cut to this new mask, and I'd love to tell you what it said, but all I could hear was this. <laughs> like an Italian man or a French man laughing. But once again, it really did hit you. We then cut to this door that was in the entranceway, and that's right, it opened. And who walked out in the mask, which I can only presume is the white rabbit? It was Bray White. And the reaction to this... I tell you, it's like you've been born again. We also saw the lantern first, so that was really good. And there's a small part of me that was like, oh my gosh, maybe we're going back to the original Bray Wyatt, which is what I want. Especially because he did pull this mask off. Everybody lost their damn minds. And if you look closely, you can see Bray Wyatt smile here. And I'm like, of course he did. Anybody would. This was an all-timer 10 out of 10. The absolute best part is this just happened. He didn't interfere in anybody's matches. We don't know what his purpose is. We don't know why he has come back. So it gives you a reason to tune in. And it makes it so much more interesting. So once again, it's a round of applause. If this is the kind of level of comeback we're going to get soon, holy crap, sign me up. And you already know the deal. It doesn't just get an up. It gets a golden up. One of the best ever. This was much like when Cody returned at WrestleMania. I don't even care what happens now. It was such a moment in time. Bray Wyatt has already won. Let's just wrap it up here. When it gets to the extreme rules, it is getting it up. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eye brow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.